Hello, hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of Power Up and Game. I'm your host, Michael, and join with me, as always, is my main man, Taylor. Taylor, how you doing, buddy? Man, I'm doing fantastic. I can tell you're doing fantastic because your new audio <laughs> yeah. setup is amazing. Nothing oh, man. like I, I think you have fixed a lot of my editing issues by just <laughs> upgrading your audio, and I wish I could have done the same. But you sound amazing, yeah. man. I'm ready to get into today's show. But I got one question for you. We are What's coming that? off the heels of the Super Bowl. You watched the game. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Me and my girlfriend uh watched it. And of course her her team was uh the Chiefs, so it was a good it was a good night for her. Was it because of Taylor Swift? Oh no, she was one of those people who were uh, kind of tired of the NFL switching over to Taylor Swift every time. <laughs> every so time she was Patrick a bit Mahomes conflicted about something. this, about the fandom well, here. Well, no, because they didn't really do like they did over the season, and they just oh yeah, it was her. it was bad. But I there were times this yeah. season where it was even worse. So yeah, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, so, I just want to clarify. I don't think it ruined the NFL season or anything crazy no. like that. It's just one of those things where you're watching, and you're like. Been much NFL, all right? Let's have a little bit of subtlety here. <laughs> you yeah. seem pretty desperate. Well, yeah, yeah, well, because well, the NFL, they're trying to expand. And I know this has nothing to do with video games. Let's go and throw in Madden. Who knows? Maybe she'll show up in Madden one day. We're going to have a Taylor Swift song <laughs> in Madden 26. She'll be on um, the cover of the next game. <laughs> oh, man. Celebrating the Super Bowl with Kelsey? Yeah. Um, But, yeah, for her, it was more of just why in the world are they going to keep showing her she's not part of the game? And I explained to her, like, well, it's like the NBA. Whenever celebrities show up in the NBA game, they love showing them. It's like, oh, man, look at this. We have uh, John Cena here. We have Chris Pratt. Or we have Tom Cruise. I was like, there are two celebrities there um, who show up to New York Knicks games all the time. And they love showing them that they're ticket holders. So it's just one of those things that the NFL wants to do. It's like, hey, we're so legit now. Even super pop stars are watching the NFL. It's like, well, yeah, because they're dating one of the football players. But Let, you know, I let's think it's not cool. kid ourselves here. I, they've been legit for a long time. They've been like the number yeah. one league <laughs> in the world Making for billions. a long, long time. So I know what you mean, though, overall. But uh, getting away from the Swift talk here, I thought the game was pretty good. I, w- I was not excited about it because I was really rooting for the Lions. And any team that wasn't the Chiefs? <laughs> wow. Hey, man, I'm a Dolphins fan. So right, I grew yeah. up watching the Patriots. And it was about this time last year when I realized, oh, no. The Chiefs are the new Patriots. This yeah, is going to be that, bad. It's, it's, yeah, it's going to be that now. Uh, they're going to be the new hated team. Yeah, so I've been that guy going like, yeah, I'm rooting against the Chiefs. It's like, oh man, I want. I have friends <laughs> tell me, oh no, I want Mahomes to beat Brady's records. I'm like, he's 27. He's gonna do it next three years if he, at this rate. Like, be, I'm, I'm, I'm one of them, man. I'm one of those people who are like, man, I'm really rooting for Patrick Mahomes because I really want him to be the new goat. But at the same time, I'm like, oh man, if he does become him, the new Tom let Brady, him, you know, have about 10 years and then break these records. He, he, what's gonna happen? He's gonna break all these records. And then absolutely 10 years of boringness of being like, oh, I guess Mahomes is the GOAT. He's won seven Super Bowls yeah. in the past eight years. Yeah. 
You know, it's funny because I didn't become a fan of Tom Brady until like his later years, during his like his last year or so with the Patriots. And when he went, yeah. And then when he went to Tampa, I was like, you know what? Brady's not that bad of a guy. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking I didn't like the Patriots more than I didn't like Tom Brady. So I think it's the team, not the player himself, because it was cool to see him prove that he didn't need Bill Belichick to win a Super Bowl. And I guess that's why I was rooting for him. It's like, yeah, you go out there and show them that you're a quarterback and not just Bill Belichick's like project or whatever. So I guess that's why I was rooting for Brady. It's still a fresh wound for me. I know it's been years <laughs> since the Patriots, but but it was such a like a it was a dynasty for like ten years. There was like a six or seven oh, year man. break in between, and even then they still just dominated the division. So it's, it's just a thing where. I don't know. I, I, I get it. I give respect to Brady and Belichick. I give respect to the Chiefs, Mahomes, all of them. But at the same time, man, I was rooting for anybody but Mahomes. But still, it was oh, a little fun. Snaps. Hey, man, it's okay because I'm a Cowboys fan, and so I was kind of against the 49ers. So, <laughs> so I was like, oh, kind, I, I like Patrick Mahomes, but I kind of want Kansas to win just because it's the 49ers in. But I wasn't as mad at the 49ers as I thought I was going to be. Because I thought in the playoffs, the 49ers were going to be our biggest problem. But no, it turned out it was just us choking per usual. So I was worried about the uh, 49ers for nothing. But yeah, man, I'm doing pretty good. Getting away from the football talk, though. Let's get into our show here today. Oh, man. But with that said... Here's what we have on our deck for today. We are not getting into Xbox-related news or possible shifts in strategies on today's show. We are recording this on Tuesday, February 13th. Xbox has its business update event on the 15th, so we'll either be covering that with a special episode or on next week's show. All depending on how Taylor's feeling, man, because, bro, you have a lot on your plate. No, uh, I mean, here. thanks for putting that on me there, but I, we'll probably <laughs> end up doing it. I'm pretty sure. Oh, you think so? Oh, oh, there you go, folks. We're going to put it all on Taylor so we don't get it. Yeah, you kind of backed me into the corner now. (laughs) I mean, kind of have to do it. Yeah. And we got an awesome preview from the Nurse Dash to talk about. So as for our main topic, it's a fun one unrelated to what we've been getting into these last few weeks. And we just need a reprise. So Taylor, take it away with our main topic. Don't mind if I do, Michael. And real quick, we just want to say that you can find sources for all the topics we're going over today down in the description of this episode. We do that to give out proper credit, and if anyone wants to read further about the topics we cover. Also, it's important to note that you should take rumors or reports we cover with a grain of salt until they are officially confirmed or denied. Of course, some reports and rumors will be more reliable. But nothing is 100% in the gaming industry until it is properly announced. And sometimes, even then, it might get canned in the future. Lastly, we are just two dumb idiots who love video games and love talking about video games. These are just our opinions. They do not necessarily reflect the opinions of anyone on our team or at the Nerd Stash. We'd love to hear your thoughts on everything we're going to be discussing today, but please just try to remain respectful. With that disclaimer out of the way, here is our main topic of the week. Our favorite mind-blowing moments in gaming history. Spoilers, by the way. We originally planned for this to be the main topic last week, 
but due to those pesky Xbox rumors, we pushed it back. This idea came off the heels of Hideo Kojima announcing a new tactical espionage game, and me reminiscing about Kojima's legendary Metal Gear Solid franchise. By the way, if you don't know, the Metal Gear franchise was Kojima's first entry in the tactical espionage genre, so that's the connection there. Anyway, the Metal Gear Solid franchise is known for a lot of things, including crazy lore, questionable story choices, talking about you, Vamp, long cutscenes, memorable characters, and having absolutely wild moments, both narratively and in terms of gameplay. For example, I think the Sorrow from Metal Gear Solid 3 is one of the most creative boss fights that we have ever seen because I think it brilliantly makes the player confront their actions throughout the story. But that brings me to our main topic today. What is your favorite mind-blowing moment or moments in gaming history? And there's no real way for us to go about this without talking spoilers. So we're going to leave a list of games that we're going to be spoiling in the description of this episode. Be sure to check that out if you're not trying to get accidentally spoiled. Before we get into our picks, we're going to hear from our poll responses we had last week. I think we only had a few this time around. Tristan Zeldin said, quote, I still think about the maze in control and just everything in control, end quote. You know, I told Tristan this when he said it. Anything Remedy makes, I think, could be considered mind-blowing. <laughs> Just the way they go about telling stories. Thinking about two or three things from just Alan Wake itself. Quantum Break, maybe less so, but... Quantum Break has some great moments. I'm not... I'm not saying great moments. Because I think... See, you and I kind of differ on this. I think Quantum Break is a good game that could have been a lot better. It was a really, it was a way better idea than it was executed. You know what I mean? Right. I, I think what makes it mind blowing was at the time the kind of stuff that Remini was doing, uh, tech wise. I think it was kind of cool mm -hmm. what they were doing with that. The way they were trying to blend that TV with time and manipulation, games. blending. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that, that was kind of cool. And now Hideo Kojima is going to take his shot at doing the same thing with Fizzent. I think it's what it's called. Hey, we're just going to have to wait and see, man. But Danish Talif yeah. said, quote, How the time mechanics worked in Prince of Persia, Warrior Within, and you found out you were the wraith you've been seeing the entire time. It was so mind-blowing, my 14-year-old brain turned off for about an hour. <laughs> End quote. <laughs> I forgot about that part. Uh, you got anything about this one? I'm not a Prince of Persia fan, and so I can't no. really speak to it. <laughs> uh, I didn't play, of course, the or like the OG original, but yeah, the uh, one that came out like the Xbox PlayStation Two. Mm -hmm. Man, Prince of Persia was great. Warrior Within, I wasn't too fun because they were doing that whole yeah, back back in those days, kids. Uh, if you had a cool protagonist, eventually they end up hitting their emo years and they end up becoming dark. They did the same thing with Jax. Um, for kids who don't know, Jackson Dexter was a really cool series that Sony has thrown away. But they also did the same thing with Jack, where he was this cool, lovable, silent protagonist. And by the third game, he was like this dark version of himself, this emo character. Because back then, every character had to turn into like that bad boy. Uh, so yeah, Warrior Within was kind of the eh version for me. 
Well, once again, we just want to thank anyone who answered our poll question and our other poll questions over the last few weeks. We'll be back next week with a new poll question and more responses. Getting back to our main topic, though, Michael, you want to kick us off or do you want me to kick us off? What is a mind-blowing moment in gaming history for you? Ah, uh, well, for me, I have a couple of them. Uh, have you played Crackdown 1, right? I have. I kind of messaged you about this earlier because yeah, yeah, we have the list here of what we're going to be talking about. And when you put this down, I was like, damn, that's an underrated pick. I don't think oh, my goodness. we're going to be talking about. That's a good one. Yeah. So uh, for those who haven't played the original Crackdown, Crackdown. And by one. the way, hold on, hold on. Let me stop because I forgot to do one. We're going to do a quick oh, okay. three second spoiler warning of just awkward silence. So anybody who's wanting to go check out the list that hasn't already, you can go do that now. All right, Michael, go ahead. I'm sorry. All right. So big spoiler on this. This actually you find out at the very end of the game. I'm talking like right before the credits hit. Uh, You actually learn the truth about the agency that you've been working for. Throughout the whole game, the narrator, the, the head honcho, made it seem like you were the only one who could stop all of these gang members and uh, these drug deals and weapon moving. So you're going around and you're taking out all of these different factions and you're thinking, yeah, I'm cleaning up the streets. I'm going to make this a better world. Because that's what the video games and movies have taught us. And at the very end, the boss just, his tone completely changes. He goes from, you got this agent. We believe in you to... And just like that, I rule the world. You're like, hey, hey, hold on. What's going on here? And just out of nowhere, he tells you, what, you thought you were the hero? No, I just needed you to clean out all of these degenerates so that we can take over. The agency doesn't care about their safety. We just want more control. And the only way to get control is to get rid of all these other game members who also had control on the streets. So you were pretty much just a pawn for the agency in a way that's just more than patriotic. It was downright evil. Like you weren't the protagonist. You were more of the anti-hero and it was ridiculous. And when I had that moment, when they brought that out, I was like, yo, I didn't even, they, they didn't even drop hints that I was the bad guy technically. And it was just like, oh my goodness, I'm no better than a lot of these uh, gangsters that's out here taking over the streets because all I did was play super gangster and got rid of all of them for this agency. And that was just one of the best moments for me as a gamer. Cause I was like, dude, the credits are rolling. And I'm sitting here thinking of how I had to wipe out the bad guys for technically the bad guys. And it's just so cool. You know why I like that so much? You don't really, it's not what Crackdown is. Crackdown is this thing that puts you into a playground. It's, it's like, a power right. fantasy. Yeah, it's like, okay, you want to become more powerful than you could ever imagine in an action-adventure game? Here you go. Have fun. It never really wants you to... I don't want to say it never really wants you to care about its story, but that wasn't really the focus. The focus was on like the playground that you're in and the fun you're going to have. So yeah. when they do that... It's one of those things that you're like, whoa, 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 what the fuck? Like, you're not supposed <laughs> yeah, to be yeah. doing this cool stuff. Yeah. I, I'm supposed to just be shooting things and mindlessly not caring. And instead, you made the player go like, oh, wait, what did I just do? 
while yeah, not caring. And, yeah, and that's the thing. They 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 did not drop hints on purpose. So you're just going around like, oh, I'm a super powerful badass. Like, yeah, we got you. We made you think that you were this all-powerful hero. But in reality, deep down, you were just you're an anti-hero, man. You 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 were doing all this thing because we told you to. You didn't question it. And I think that was the greatest part was just mentally speaking you weren't thinking about that you weren't questioning the story like what what am i doing this why am i doing this what's going on you're just like oh i could be this powerful agent i could jump tall buildings and beat up bad guys you don't question it because it's a video game and you think i'm just playing a video game i want to be powerful and then it's like bam see that you just you're just a mindless drone congratulations you did what we wanted you to do without question just because it's like damn this game which when you think about it, it had no story all of a sudden just come out and dropped it on you like yeah the story is you're just a pawn it's like damn that's actually pretty awesome yeah i can't speak to there not being foreshadowing i don't remember if there was or wasn't but it was a really good moment and oh all the all the story elements uh for uh crackdown came into your briefings you learned about all the factions yeah. But you technically don't learn about the agency and what they are because you don't really question the agency. You're questioning who your next target is. Yeah, you're not caring at all. <laughs> like, again, you're just, what do I shoot next? I need to get more powerful. I need to get those little orbs around. The I city. want more orbs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all you're caring about. And then the game drops yeah. that on you and you're like, whoa, 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 what the fuck game in the best way possible? Yeah, but, we're never going to get something like that again. It's going to be a, oh my goodness. Oh no, I think we will. We'll get something. I mean, like we that we, again, we will. I think but gaming I think you, is prime for those kind of yeah, moments. Yeah, because HC isn't the first game to do that to us. It's just it's yeah. the one that because I was younger, I didn't see it coming. So, I guess for me, I'm not going to really get that kind of moment again. It's going to be more like oh yeah, Crackdown did that. <laughs> it's not going to be fair. But for me. And uh, I guess my first two picks here, I'm going to go with two moments in the same game. And that is Metal Gear Solid 3. Snake Eater. I already mentioned one of them. It's the Sara boss fight. And I already mentioned the stuff about the Sara, so I'm not going to really get into it. But the other part that I really loved about this game is Snake becoming Big Boss. And again, I'm trying not to spoil it. I know this is a spoiler thing, but I'm trying to be as spoiler-free as possible when I can. The story of Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater is exceptional. Absolutely exceptional. Because to this point, we have heard about the legendary big boss. This guy who was larger than life. The guy who Solid and Liquid Snake was based on. And how he was once such a great man, and how he turned into this evil guy. How did he turn into the bad guy? And Snake Eater tells you how he turned into a bad guy. And by the end of it, you're like, oh, fuck, I don't really blame him. I see, now I'm interested, because I I, I once tried to look up wikis and stuff for uh, Metal Gear. That is a rabbit hole all on its own. Oh, it is. Yeah, I remember the OG uh, Big Boss, I guess she had a different name, was a woman, but I guess her name was like... Her name is The Boss. The Boss, yeah. And she's also the mother of one of the snakes, I guess, or somebody. And Or no, I, no she was his mentor. I'm not going to spoil it, but yeah, mentor. 
And it's closer yeah, than, was, like, their relationship's closer than anything that was romantic. Yeah, and she was the creator of, uh, of, of one of the groups. And her and I think Snake created the close com close quarter combat style or whatever. And I'm just yes, like, hold on. True. Yeah. And I'm just like, hold on, what is going on? What is all this? And yeah, if you're not like deep into the Metal Gear lore, you are gonna feel lost in the sauce. Yeah, but I think it's a great jumping on point for gamers. And I think that's the reason the main reason I don't want to spoil this one is because the remake's coming out. Oh, that's right, yeah. So it's not that thing where, oh yeah, it's an old game, if you were going to play it, you would have already, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things that's like, well, the remake's just coming out, a whole new batch of gamers are going to get a chance to experience it. So I don't really want to get into everything that uh, happens to the right. boss and everything that happens to Snake, because he's not big boss at the beginning of this game. His name right, is Jack. Yeah. And then he Jack. gets the codename Snake. So... It's just really fun seeing a lot of the things that would end up, and it's not in the prequel way too that you see in movies nowadays. It's like, oh, here's how Han Solo's got his name. Like, oh, I, I never <laughs> knew that was a thing. Why do I need to know about it? Like, why do I need to know about the dice that Han Solo has, or any of these crazy questions that because these movies something, want to something, Because something, something fanfic, and. With Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater, it was a thing where everything in its story added context. And it added depth to the story itself that I think was really good already to that point. But it gave you that, like, oh, shit, okay, this is how Big Boss became Big Boss. I understand. And honestly, I would... It's really a toss-up between who's the better character, Big Boss or Solid Snake to me, and it's because of this game. It's because of the moment where Snake becomes Big Boss, and it's because of the Sara boss fight, stuff like that. Like, there's a boss fight, I just I have another thing here. So I guess this is three and one in the same game, called The End. This old man who's a sniper, and there's so many different ways. <laughs> I think there's like two or three different ways you can kill him. Oh, jeez. And it's fucking awesome. Uh, so yeah, man, Metal Gear Solid 3 on its own is just a mind-blowing moment in gaming history. What's your next one? Alright, well, mine isn't as jam-packed as yours, uh, but it is still pretty freaking baller. Um, the final battle in Halo, Fall of Reach. Now, is that, is there a movie that's Fall of Reach or are you talking about just Halo Reach? I'm sorry. Yeah, Halo, Halo Reach. I'm sorry. Okay. I, 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 I like a lot of the bigger fans. We know it as Fall of Reach, but yes, the game Halo yeah. uh, Reach. Well, you know what I mean. There was so many like little mini movies and stuff. I'm like, okay, oh, did Michael well, add one of these to the list, or is he talking about the ending of Halo Reach right now? Well, Reach was also was always like mentioned in the Halo series. You know, like New Mombasa. They're like, oh man, we can't have the repeat of Reach. Um, yeah. Fall of Reach is actually the name of the book. Uh, so that's how I learned about Reach. Uh, was from the book Fall of Reach, and I don't know why I put it down there. I, I keep thinking about the book. Yes, but the final battle in Halo Reach, absolutely amazing. And it's just another one of those moments that you don't really see coming, especially from a franchise like Halo. You expect, like, of course, the uh, driving the Warhog during while everything's exploding kind of sequence. It's like that's kind of like 
the thing with Halo. It's like, oh, the final mission is uh, drive the Warhog through crumbling uh, structures and whatnot. It's like, okay, this is kind of cool. This is fun. With Halo Reach, oh my goodness, you played uh, one of the older Spartans uh, before they were all wiped out uh, while you battle out on Reach. Of course, as the title of the book mentions, is the fall of Reach, where we technically failed that war, that part of the war. In the final mission, while Reach is just being torn asunder, just being blasted into glass, you and your Spartans, who are getting picked off one by one close to the end of the game, where you are the final Spartan standing, you have to battle this onslaught of grunts and elites just coming at you in waves and you're just fighting with dwindling resources ammunition running out your shields giving out and they're just coming at you surrounding you and yeah you have a small area enough to where you can run around and get the high ground and get below deck if you have to but the the further in that battle you get the more you notice you don't have time to actually heal up and get your shield back to full max like they're just coming at you blasting every direction and it is just so amazing to have this moment to where you were just as powerful spartan the whole game to where all of a sudden you lose out on this hope like oh man this really is the end like my spartan is not going to survive this no matter how well i fight and the final moment is you looking at the discarded helmet of you supposedly your spartan and it's just one of the coolest moments that I've had in Halo towards just like, oh my goodness. Like, like you, could, you can see how Spartans fall in battle. You can see like how Master Chief is the last of his kind because if something like this was happening throughout the war, yeah, it makes sense why these Spartans who can shoot shotguns and stuff with one hand and flip a tank with the other, how all of a sudden they got outnumbered just like the uh, Jedi did with Order 66. It's just, man, yeah, they're powerful, but they're not immortal. And it is crazy yeah. cool. Halo Reach itself is honestly, and this is going to be a controversial take, I played it recently. I think it's a bit overrated. I, okay. I know that's crazy. I think it's a not, bit not overrated. Really. However, plenty of people didn't care for Reach. I will say, however, its ending is goaded. It yeah. is still goaded to this day. It's one of those things where not everybody. Some people just continue to fight to the death and didn't, like, until you see the helmet and you're like, wait, that's supposed to happen? But for some people, and, like, you can look up probably videos of reactions of people playing the game and maybe it'll click for them when you're watching these reactions to where they go, wait a minute. I don't think I'm supposed to survive this. Yeah. <laughs> and then, it, like, once you realize that, it becomes like a... You either have two modes. You either kind of give up at that moment. And you're like, all right, let me see what happens at the end of this thing. Or you kind of go into... There's got to be a secret ending if I kill all of them. And there's just no secret ending if you kill all of them. Because there is no finite amount of enemies that just keep coming. You yeah, are fucked. Like, there's no, there's no yeah, chance. there's no winning. <laughs> there's no you're, winning. You're not this. winning. Yeah. And I'm glad you said this, Michael. I'm glad you brought up Halo Reach. Because for the same reason, my next mind blowing moment in gaming history 
is Red Dead Redemption. Of course, there it is. <laughs> oh, man, for anybody new to this podcast, Taylor loves Red Dead. So I can't wait to hear more about uh, your love or what you find mind blowing in, 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 in this uh, in Red Dead 1, right? Yes, Red Dead Redemption 1. Now, okay. what makes me a bit sad is I know you're not a big Red Dead fan. So you haven't <laughs> played a lot of either game. So you're not going to know the context of this. And I'm going to be spoiling you on it, but you're somebody who, if you wanted to play this, you've had 14 years to do so. I feel a little bit better about spoiling this for you now. The end of Red Dead Redemption 1 sees John Marston, who is the main character you play as, go through. He has to capture or kill his old gang members who are still, uh, still alive in exchange for his family back. That's the entire point of the story, and he's doing this for the government. He does this, he gets his family back, and the game kind of gives you a bit of an epilogue to where you see John and his family, and you're going out hunting with his son, you're doing some farming with Uncle, who is a former member of the gang, but the government wasn't really interested in because he's just an old man who's lazy as fuck, so who cares? So it was just this really fun and nice section of the game to where it just slows down. It's like, oh man, happy John got his happy ending. And then the government comes back for John Marston because he's a loose end. And who cares if this outlaw gets killed in a gunfight? So it proceeds for you, the players, John Marston, to have to attempt to survive get your family out of there and there's this moment where you're in a barn you peek out and you see nothing but pinkertons you sigh you open up the barn and it brings you into dead eye again and you go oh shit that's a lot of people but i'm in dead eye so i have to be able to kill them all right no you're fucked no matter what you do you are fucked john marston <laughs> is a dead man and it is such a sad and mind-blowing moment in gaming to me. Because it's exactly what I was talking about with Reach. Whereas you think, like, oh man, there's got to be a way out. Maybe I did something wrong. No, it's just the way the story was supposed to go. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, I got to get back into Red Dead. I'm, I'm going to have to try and reach that ending. Uh, because from the way you said it, it actually sounds really cool. And I do like that they focus on the actual ending for our character. Especially now that I know in Red Dead 2, you know, it was uh, a bit of a prequel. So it's good to know that they yeah. actually finished his story before moving on. So I got to get back into Red Dead 2. I mean, I got to get back into Red Dead 1. If you were to ever get back into the franchise, which would be funny after I just followed the ending of 1. But <laughs> <laughs> I'd actually recommend going 2 then 1. Okay, so finish 2 first. Yeah. Because it's okay, the same cool. where you're actually just watching in chronological order. So you're ah. seeing the characters who are in Red Dead 1 and how they've changed mostly for the worse. You know, speaking of chronological orders, that actually leads into uh, what I'm playing. So when we get, once we get there, uh, it's going to come and, and it's going to come like full circles. Like, oh, hey, look at that. We're talking about chronological orders. Uh, but... Another mind-blowing moment for me, and this isn't what this wasn't even something that we played. It's something that we saw and experienced, and it was glorious. Taylor, I know you said uh, when we were talking about it that you didn't really remember it, but 
It was during E3. It was a magnificent time, Taylor, back when E3 was the place for the biggest trailer drops and news. We got the revealed trailer for what would soon become known as the God of War reboot slash sequel, God of War. No, I remember that. Oh, okay, cool. cool. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Even now, sometimes I go back and I watch that reveal trailer and I still get goosebumps. I still get excited and hyped for that thing. It was ridiculously awesome how they did it. You start off with just this kid playing around and making making something. I forget what he was making, but he was just screwing around outside. And you're just like, oh, what kind of game is Sony going to pull off? And all you hear is, boy. And, of course, you don't know who it is because it doesn't sound like Kratos at the time. He had a different voice actor. And this kid's like, oh, God, not again. And he runs inside this house. And he's having this talk with this old man. It's his father, you can presume. You uh, can assume. And it was just him carrying on this conversation with this off-screen character. And then out of the shadows, you know how to hunt. It's Kratos. Out of nowhere, out of the shadows, it's just old man Kratos. And you're just like, yo, what the hell is this? You see his mark. He has a beard now, but you can see his red marking, the ash on his body. It looks super cool. And he throws his bow at this kid and was like, we're going hunting. You're going to feed us. And I was like, oh, what? what is this? And it's God of War. And anybody else, that would have been it. It would have been Kratos showed his face, splash screen, God of War. But no, they went the extra mile and they showed legit actual gameplay. They'd had one developers, I believe it was the director at the time. They had him sitting on stage with a PlayStation controller in his hand playing the game. And it was absolutely amazing. And it's it the thing we were talking about last week, right? When we were talking about like our frustrations with xbox exclusives over the past few years yeah yeah and it's a thing where we were like you're not giving a franchise like halo enough time enough of a break for people to grow fond of it and even if you do you're not doing enough to where you can garner a reaction like kratos and this god of war reboot slash sequel this very soft reboot i guess that's the best way to put it because you're yeah, right, it's, people, it's a yeah. thing where it's an initial rush of hype, and then you see the gameplay, and it's a thing where it's hugely different Oh from yeah. the initial God of Wars. But the audience and people watching at home, it was a thing where it's like, oh man, this is different. But fuck, why does it feel? It feels so epic. <laughs> it looks so yeah. cool. And yeah. it just made you immediately want to get your hands on a uh, PlayStation controller and play it. Oh man, I wanted to play it so bad when I saw it. I was like, oh my goodness. It doesn't look like God of War, but at the same time, it does. It feels different. It looks different, but it still has like that essence of God of War. I don't know how they pulled it off, but I was also worried because they changed the gameplay so much. I was like, yeah, that looks cool, but it doesn't look like God of War. And you, it just left you curious for the whole thing. Like, who is this kid? Uh, where, where is Kratos? Because where they left off with God of War 3, Kratos supposedly died, but didn't die. So you didn't know what happened to him. And it's just all new monsters, all new world. And you don't know what's going on. And it was just so damn hype, Taylor. Oh, my goodness. Even watching that video today, I'm still like, God, that's how you do a reveal. That's how you reveal your ongoing franchise as something new. 
yet still respectful to its roots. And it was just so damn cool. And you were talking about Halo. Uh, when Halo Infinite first dropped, it did look kind of cool. I was like, oh, snaps. You guys are going to open world with Halo. You're going to do something completely different. You're going to change up the gameplay a little, but you're still going to keep within the Halo roots. Okay, Halo Zeta, you're going to be playing on the ring. You're going to have an open world ring like we kind of wanted for a while. That's going to be kind of cool. Unfortunately, you're like, yeah, they show the initial trailer, they showed Master Chief, it looked good, and then you're like, bam, you know what? We could just say Halo Infinite and be done, but we're going to show you actual gameplay. And that's kind of where, ironically enough, the hype for Halo Infinite died down within the same video because the gameplay didn't really look that great. And it's like, damn, this, this is kind of a double-edged sword right now because, yeah, it's kind of cool to see gameplay, but at the same time, it doesn't really seem to take advantage of the open world and you know people start seeing like oh there's pop-ups in the open world uh enemies don't really react the way they probably should with this brand new engine uh the slip the what was it called it slip doesn't feel engine? next gen yeah it you watch like, god of war uh, that looked like a game that oh oh that wasn't gonna be possible gen. on playstation 2 and 3 yeah yeah, like it felt it, next, and we're getting close to the PS5 at this point, and it's like this is what I would imagine a PS5 game is, and it's on a PS4. Yeah, yeah, like you look at that kind of stuff, you're like, no, that's a PlayStation 4 game. That's 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 the reason why you have a PlayStation 4 and a 4K TV just so you can show off games like God of War. And then you have Halo Infinite, where it's like, this is this is why you have an Xbox Halo, and then you see Infinite, and you're like. I don't think Halo is the reason I have an Xbox anymore. Yeah, and you're not trying to be... I'm not trying to dump on them, yeah. Yeah, you're not trying to dunk on them. But it's a thing where it's like, yeah, it's good. But it doesn't give you a feeling like you had in that trailer. Oh, like, not like... I, I think it's a... I, I think you nailed your pick here. Because it's not a moment in the actual game itself, even though I think there is a few moments in the actual game yourself, itself you can go with. Oh yeah, it's mind blowing. It's cool. In gaming history, that's one of them. Oh man, that tri- that that reveal is going to be one of the things that people look back on. That's like, oh man, this is what this is. This was peak E three. This is what we used to get hyped about at E three. Uh, now everything just everything's a rumor and everything gets leaked and it's no fun. But looking at that trailer, that reveal, it's like. God, those are the days. I know I'm going to sound old, but those are the days I missed. That's the reason E3 even existed was for cool moments like that to where you get those big reveals on the big screen. And, you know, it's just, it was so cool. And we're probably never going to get something like that again for a very long time. So for my next one, I'm going to go with Batman Arkham Knight. There's a lot of things I could say about this. <laughs> it's not who's the Arkham Knight because that is not a mind-blowing <laughs> moment. Uh I love the story of Arkham Knight, by the way. It's very underrated. I think it has an excellent ending. But not all mind-blowing moments are great. And this one, to me, is how they handle Hush. So throughout the entirety of Arkham City, there's a side quest about an identity thief. Somebody who's cutting faces off of people in Arkham City. And then at the end of this side quest, you learn that this person is named Thomas Elliot. He is a doctor who has a connection to Bruce Wayne. He has been stealing parts of people's faces for a reconstructive surgery on his own face so he could look like Bruce Wayne. And it's revealed that this guy is the cult classic Batman villain, Hush. 
and everybody went, man, this is going to be so fucking cool. How are they going to incorporate this guy into Arkham Knight? Because this should, he should really fuck things up for Bruce Wayne. He doesn't. <laughs> He's a very short side quest in Arkham Knight where you, I think, I think you beat him in a QTE event. And it looks like Hush just wants to steal money from Bruce Wayne. That's all he wanted. So it's one of the most disappointing, mind-blowing moments in gaming history. It was pretty much a nothing burger. Like, it just came and went. And it was like, yep, that's it. It's like, oh. Hush and City is so good compared to Night. And like you said, Night is just a nothing burger. I can say the same thing about a lot of stuff set up in City that uh, doesn't work out in side quests at night. Asriel, Mm -hmm. I think Asriel's better. Then Hush. But I'm still disappointed in Asriel's whole story in Arkham Knight. The whole reason I consider Arkham Knight to be a good story is because of the main story. Side quests left a lot to be desired. Yeah, after you finish his side quest, he just kind of stops and gives up. He's just like, oh man, yeah. I see now that I was being used. Like, oh, that that's it? That's that's everything? I think you decide his fate, too, because he either... Oh, yeah. No, because you play as him. So, yeah, you play as uh, Azrael, so you could either fight against your programming or go after Bruce. And if you go after Bruce, you end up in GCPD. If you don't, it's exactly what you were saying, that he's going to go against the order, which is a weird yeah. thing to do. Man, I don't know, man. That's what and I'm they saying. Never went, oh yeah, and they never went back to it, so I don't know what his story is even about because they never go back to the order and any of that or what he was doing. So it was kind of like yeah we have him in here because we needed another character from the batman franchise and we sent him up in city so we had to do something with him. <laughs> yeah it's like maybe they had plans for something else like a dlc that actually told his story or something and maybe it just got scrapped and we just don't know it because yeah i remember now uh, the the path i chose like he pretty much apologized to batman it's like i'm gonna go get redemption i'm gonna find out the truth and he just disappears and that's it yeah so, yeah, like I said, mind-blowing moments in gaming are not always good. I, I, I know we were talking about Azrael. I think both can be on here. That was Hush, and that was Azrael. <laughs> like, those are two very disappointing side quests that in Arkham City was nothing but hype. Like, you see Azrael on the rooftops of Arkham City, and he's, like, giving you this prophecy and, like, oh, Gotham will be on fire and you will not survive the fire. It's, like, setting up this epic war that's going to happen. That kind of comes true, but Azrael has nothing to fucking do with it. And then Hush is setting up this awesome villain that could easily play a part in Arkham Knight's main story. But instead, now nah, he's just going after some money. So <laughs> that's why both of those, I guess, are on my list for the wrong reasons. Oh, hey, we didn't. Yeah, we didn't say they were all going to be good. But your next one oh, is man. your next one's one of my favorite. Uh yes, this is one of those things to where it is kind of hard to pull off again, and they've tried it multiple times in the Call of Duty series. But in Call of Duty 2009, Modern Warfare 2009, the original Modern Warfare, well, that's 2007. Huh? That was Modern Warfare 2007. Said Modern Warfare, uh, Call of Duty Four, Modern Warfare. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Oh, wait, was World at War. Oh, nine was Modern Warfare 2. Okay, so Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, they had... Was it 2? In, no. in, in OG Call of Duty, the Modern Warfares, okay? You're getting your ears Before, mixed up, Michael. That's what I'm trying I to tell am, you. I man. It's Call oh of Duty yeah, I'm, I'm, 2007. 
So oh, Modern Warfare I'm, I'm, 4 or Call of Duty 4. Damn it. Now I'm doing it. Yes. I'm not alone. <laughs> We're so good at this, Taylor. Oh, man. But yes, in the original Call of Duty Modern Warfare, not the remaster, even though they have it in there. There's a mission to where you're, of course, just fighting through the streets, these wrecked up streets, and you're getting ready to evac. You're battling your way to your uh, to your help, to your to your aircraft. And you're just like, all right, let's get out of here. Mission complete. Let's boogie. And before you even reach your aircraft, you hear there's a bomb setting off. There's a nuke. You got to get out of there. We're like, hey, 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 whoa. When did this mission become all about nukes? So you get to your aircraft and you're setting off. Of course, your hatch is open so you can see you go off to the sunset like a badass. But all of a sudden, there's this bright, hot, white flash of light that just goes off. And there you see the plumb of light and just destruction heading your way. You're in the air already. You're getting ready to get out of there. But of course, the shock waves from the nuclear blast throws every aircraft in the air out of sync, out of out of the orbit, and they're just spinning out of control. So now this hatch is open. You're in first person. You're trying to catch people from flying out of the helicopter, and you are going down. Like you're thinking, oh, it's Call of Duty. I'm gonna somehow manage to find a way to survive this. And no, man, you die. Like you see the aircraft come down in first person as you smash it to the ground because this nuke going off. And it is one of the coolest moments in not just Call of Duty history, but video game history. Yeah, just seeing the nuke itself is enough to... And you think, like you just said, like your character is going to somehow... It's a Call of Duty game. You're going to somehow survive it, even though you definitely shouldn't. But no, the chopper goes down, and you are not surviving the fallout of that nuke. They tried to recreate that awesome scene, but man, the first time you saw it, like, oh, you just, you don't see it coming. It's just mind blowing to me. And they've successfully done shocking moments in Call of Duty. They have. They've recreated the shocking moment, but I think this is the OG, right? Yeah. This is the OG moment that you're like, oh, what the fuck just happened? And yeah, yeah, it's not the main character of the story. It's not you playing as Soap and Captain Price. They don't die. Well, yeah, Gaz yeah. dies. <laughs> but, well, yeah, that was also also pretty sad. It's like, oh, shit. I'm glad the reboots kind of fixed that. But at the same time, the reboot franchise has kind of fucked up a few other things to where it's kind of oh. evened out at this point. Besides <laughs> the point, the OG nuke going off, even if it's not the main character, if it's the second character you played as, it's still such a shocking moment. It was still really cool to see. Like, it looked fantastic for the time. I think it still oh, yeah. looked pretty good all these years later. But, yeah, man, I agree with you. It's the nuke going off in Modern Warfare. Like I said, it was just such an epic moment. It's the OG moment. And a long yeah. list of Call of Duty moments that are absolutely insane. This was the first one that I remember. Uh, next up for me, I'm going to go ahead and go through my last two here because I see that you're done, unless you have another one. Nope. Um, I'm sure I can think of a couple more, but for now, like those are the ones that like, I was most excited about. So, Resident Evil 4. Literally everything about the opening segment. <laughs> Absolutely everything, including <laughs> the Chainsaw Man. I forgot the character's name. 
But fuck, it's frightening. It is so intense. And for a game to that point was like, oh yeah, here's the way the camera works. And yeah, it's a little intense with the dogs and stuff. But there was something about Resident Evil 4, it's beginning, where it just it just throws you into it. And it's like, okay, try to survive. Here's all of these enemies. Oh yeah, that guy has a chainsaw. Good luck. Yeah, no, I remember uh, when I played Resident Evil, like that opening session was so cool. I was like, man, I kind of want to play it all over again. Uh, the first time going through the village was honestly one of the creepiest moments because you're not really prepared. You're just like, okay, I can take on these people. And the first time you pop a head, you're like, oh yeah, that's awesome. That's gnarly. And then there, you and find the bear traps. And then they don't die. Yeah. And you find the bear traps. And the first time you go against the chainsaw, man, you're just like, you know what? This is uh like the village I thought it was going to be. Like, yeah, especially when they started throwing axes and uh, sickles at you. It's just like, oh, yeah, no, this isn't regular Resident Evil. I'm in it now. It's like, this is super amazing. Like, it showed you right off the bat that this is a brand new, different kind of Resident Evil. And it was so cool. And for my last pick, I think this is one of the best ones, period. It's Assassin's Creed 2. So there's a moment near, I think it's either at the very end or near the end, where Ezio finds Minerva. And it's where I think the game opens up on its lore and what really Desmond's trying to stop in the present day. And Minerva stops talking to Ezio at a certain point. And she just starts talking to Desmond. And by proxy, just starts talking to you, the player. And that's such a mind-blowing, like, oh, fuck, this feels weird moment to me. It's one of the best in gaming history. Like, say what you want about how Assassin's Creed has progressed or regressed, but that moment right there was absolutely 10 out of 10 awesome. But let's go ahead and move on, man. Had a fun show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a fun, it was a fun laid-back show. Talking about some mind-blowing moments in gaming history. I thought we had some fun ones here. I really do. Yeah, no, because the last few ones, we've always had like some bad news or something. Yeah, <laughs> so it, it's it was just us again. talking about just horrible things in the industry happening. And then it gets to, man, is Xbox even going to be a thing? Come three <laughs> weeks from now? <laughs> Jesus. 2024 yeah. is just getting weird. We're only a few weeks into this thing. But we'll talk about Xbox at a later date, and hopefully some things start looking up for the gaming industry. But it was, it was fun to have a laid-back topic this week. But before we go, we just want to take a moment and shout out an awesome preview article and video we have over at thenerdstash.com from senior writer Nat Colazzo and reviews editor Dave Rodriguez. Nat got the chance to head out to L.A. last month and preview Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Lucky. Look, though, we're not going to lie to y'all. You guys know <laughs> that Michael and I are not Final Fantasy fans. We have said that countless times on this podcast. <laughs> so we're not going to sit here and act like we're experts out of the blue here and give detailed analysis of the preview. Uh, but if you are a Final Fantasy fan you are going to want to check out this non-spoiler preview that goes over the open world, the combat, and the new card game called Queen's Blood. 
which I will say as a non-Final Fantasy guy, it reminds me a little of Gwent from The Witcher 3. And I say that in a good way. Uh, and I think Nat actually mentions that <laughs> too, hilariously enough. Um, I'm going to leave a link to that preview in the description. It has Nat's write-up of the preview, along with David and Nat's video on it embedded in the article. Uh, Michael, you got anything to add before we move on? I think you said you... Uh, we kind of talked about this before we recorded. Did you at least download the demo? You said you wanted to play it, that this preview inspired you to be like, you know what, I'm going to try it out. Yeah, yeah, I was going to try it out. I didn't try it out in time for it to do the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, maybe... At a later date, I'm, I'm definitely going to try it out. Uh, but maybe at a later date, you know, we can get a little more into the nitty nitty gritty about it. But because it is part two of the Final Fantasy VII reboot, it kind of makes me question if I should go ahead and play the first part of the reboot uh, before I actually get into Rebirth. And even more, I actually have the original Final Fantasy VII game on PlayStation, the original PlayStation. So I can always go back and play the OG Final Fantasy VII. I know I'm not a Final Fantasy fan, so don't ask me why I have the one of the most uh, holy grails of holy grails of PlayStation games. I really want to ask but you. I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, I have respect for the Final Fantasy franchise. I, I'm just not big into it. Um, there was one that I liked, but not enough for me to remember it because I don't remember what it was. Uh, but I did enjoy one of the Final Fantasies. Like, oh, this idea kind of cool. But I think for me, what I'm waiting for is for them to finish the Final Fantasy uh, Seven trilogy. I think because I think it's gonna be a three part reboot kind of thing or remake kind of thing. And when they do a Final Fantasy Seven Complete Edition, I think it's when I'll finally like dive into the remake. Uh, so. Dang, man. Yeah, it sucks that, unfortunately, you and I can't really talk about it. Uh, But hey, maybe we can get Nat on the show and maybe they can talk about it and give us a far more fair and uh, intellectually adapt uh, conversation about it. Yeah, it's a thing where, honestly, I was looking at the preview. And again, I'm not going to be fake here and be like, oh, man, this is (laughs) a thing I love now. But I will say, this game genuinely does look somehow more accessible, I guess, to non-fans who yeah. never got a chance to play the franchise, myself included. Uh, because it seemed so taxing, the you know all the other games and the way they looked, and it's like, man, that's a lot. This one, from the preview, because I not only I read the... Right up, I also watched the video. I was watching the video, and I was like, man, this one just... I don't know if it's always open world, but this one just looks more open. No shit, Sherlock. But it just looks also <laughs> more recognizable, which might be the best way to put it. Like, I can actually, now looking at this open world and seeing you run across the fields and whatnot in this open world, and there's something to where now I can just go like okay this is familiar to me i can get into this you know yeah uh, i think for me like it looks cool don't get me wrong it looks it looks pretty awesome although at the same time the ui kind of like a cluster i don't know what's going on with that but i think it's only because i don't understand like the flow of the uh of the ui because i know it's used to great advantage during uh real-time combat 
but you can also switch between real-time combat and turn-based, which I think is really cool because it does do something for the old school fans who want Final Fantasy VII, but it wants to wants it to be rebooted and remade uh, to modern to to modern standards, but still keep that feel of the of its roots. Uh, so I think it's really cool. Like you said before, it's, it's more accessible. I think it's great that they do give you the option to either do turn-based or to go all out and just you know run around and do your own thing, which is cool. What I what I hope for is that the summons aren't as freaking long as they are in the PlayStation game. Uh, that's one of the things that really, really made me not want to play Final Fantasy was those daggone summons because they're powerful. And when you get them, you got to use them. Oh, my goodness. It is strategically sound to use them. I'm curious how your critique and your analysis plays now. Cause you're going off of like one game you play. <laughs> well, and again, like, I I I had the OG. I haven't played the I haven't played the uh, remakes versions yet. Yeah. So like, so yeah, I haven't seen uh, how they do the some. Like, I've seen gameplay of the summons, but I haven't seen if like they play it out the same way or or, or like in homage to the original version. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. It's just kind of funny how like so. This is the problem <laughs> I have with franchise. I just imagine there being a Huge Final Fantasy fan listening to this podcast, and they're just going like, "The fuck are you talking about, man? That hasn't been a thing for like ten years." <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, it's like, yeah, you don't play this game, man. You suck. Just stop talking. <laughs> just stop talking. But if you are a Final Fantasy <laughs> fan, though, for real, go check out the Nerd Sesh preview on it again. The video and the write up both in the same place. You don't have to go to multiple places here. Just click the link in the description of this episode. Be sure to give it a view. We would surely appreciate it. Michael, let's go ahead and get out of here, man. Let's talk about what we're playing. All right. Uh, I'm, I already know what you're going to say because I can see it right here. And oh, my goodness, Taylor. Yeah, I write down um, but... what I've been playing. <laughs> like, you know, what it's supposed to be in the outline. Am I airing yeah, out I... our dirty laundry right here on the podcast live? Potentially. Is this yeah, going to well, be they... how this podcast breaks up? Probably not. <laughs> I hope not. Um, but no, no, I, I actually put way. down. I put in a weird way. Yeah, uh, I actually put down like my my picks earlier because I was like, yeah, this is something I should write down. But I don't know why I never go back to what are we playing and put it down for you. It just seems so disingenuous. I have to start putting something down there for you, man. Uh, but for me, I am actually uh, as I uh, mentioned earlier, we were talking about things being in chronological order with Red Dead. I'm actually going back and playing the Kingdom Hearts franchise. And man, Taylor, let me tell you, that is an undertaking. Oh my goodness. I had to look up the chronological story order for uh, Kingdom of Hearts and come to find out that there's some story elements to mobile games that no longer exist. And so I had to find those. Uh, I had to re-download an old mobile game on my iPhone. The servers are offline, so you can't play it, but you can still watch the story cutscenes. So I have to go, <laughs> so I have to watch the story on my phone and I have Kingdom Hearts 1.5 and 2.5 HD remixes on uh, on my PS5. I have Kingdom Hearts 2.8. Uh, I have Kingdom Hearts uh, 3. And of course, those games come with 258 over two days and and uh, Kingdom Hearts Cross and Melody. Well, I don't have Melody. I have to 
get Kingdom Hearts Melody, but that's for a different time. Taylor, it is a cluster. Oh my goodness, I forgot how much of homework it was to learn the final, the Kingdom Hearts story. And so that's what I'm going to be doing for the next year, <laughs> let's face it. That's going to be my 2024, is going back and going in chronological orders of Kingdom Hearts. That's another one for me that's always been taxing. To where it is. everybody tells me how great the franchise is, and I believe you. I'm not trying to be the guy who's like, oh, sure, it's good. I'm just never going to play it. <laughs> I believe you when you're like, oh, yeah, Kingdom Hearts or Final Fantasy is a fantastic franchise. You should really get into it. It's just that when I go to do it and I look at all the games in there, I'm just like, yeah. fuck, man, I don't. Oh, no, bro. No, I, I would tell anybody who's interested in the Kingdom Hearts. Um, because my girlfriend, she, 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 she was on and off with Kingdom Hearts. Uh, she remembered playing the first one and not liking it. Because me neither. The first one is, I'm sorry, it's not fun. Uh, it, it is fun, but it isn't at the same time because the platforming in that game is truly awful. Uh, it was, it's just horrendous. And she wanted to play the third one, but she never actually got around to it. Or she never finished it. Uh, so yeah, if you're not already into Kingdom Hearts. It seems like so it's, it, it seems very taxing to get into the story because the story is convoluted. Now, imagine being the ones that's going through the franchise at first uh, because Kingdom Hearts one, there's only one Keyblade. And by the end of it, I think they were kind of alluding to something different. Uh, but around the second game or before the second game, they they uh, kind of rewrote the rules on that and they made it to where there's a bunch of Keyblades. And it just becomes part of a Keyblade War. And you come to find out about Kingdom Hearts a little more and the Heartless and Organization 13 and how uh, Xenohort is actually the mastermind of so much of this and why he wants Kingdom Hearts. The only thing I'm understanding is Keyblade. (laughs) What's what's funny, too, is if you were to be like, I don't know where to get into the mcu or i don't know when to get into marvel or dc yeah i can help you i'm like i know where to go here even if you're not somebody who's wanting to read comics because my first thing would be like go seek out tristan benz and drew garrison they have all the answers you're looking for shout out to long box hunters but oh yeah if like I could tell you movies and TV shows you can get into if you want to watch good Batman or Superman content or MCU, like the whole thing with it. But there's just something about like Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts where it's like, I just, I don't know how it works. That's, I turn into like an old man with technology where it's like, I just don't know, man. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to learn anymore. Well, uh, Taylor, wait until you learn about other versions of Sora. Uh, he has clones and kind of like other world versions of him. That's not him. And yeah, doppelgangers and even his friends kind of have doppelgangers themselves, but they're not doppelgangers. They're their own people, but they're heartless, but they have hearts because they have emotions. It's really weird, man. I'm I'm telling you, it, it becomes such a cluster. And that's before you get into the whole uh, going back through Sora's memories and replaying some of the old games in a new version of the game but it's not like real because it's just his dreams but it also moves the plot for Sora and the world forward it, it becomes very strange man I I don't you're speaking gibberish to me 
what I need to do is I need to go play some Metal Gear so I can talk about Metal Gear on this. Podcast. Oh no, you want to talk go about down the hole oh. Tony Lore. I can kind of do that yeah. on the fly right now, but we don't have forty five <laughs> minutes for me to get into how Solid Snake is aging so rapidly and why he's an old man in Metal Gear Solid Four. Uh, <laughs> I actually like that storyline. I'm not gonna lie. I never I finished it. four. It's what it's the worst really? part of it to me. I, I hate oh, wow. him into old man Snake. Uh huh. Oh, that's weird because I I thought it was kind of cool. It adds a weird time clock into mm. the story, whereas he's dying, and it's like ah, I don't really. We didn't need that. I didn't need seventy <laughs> year old Solid Snake with a mustache crawling around. He looks so like cool. He just could have been. Eh. What okay? What it is? I'll drop it after this. And what it is is they <laughs> wanted Revolver Ocelot versus Solid Snake. That's who they wanted. They wanted Liquid Ocelot. It's a whole thing versus Solid Snake to be the final fight. But then they realized a younger Snake versus old man fucking Ocelot looks <laughs> bad. <laughs> so something has to happen here. Okay, but Snake has faced old dudes before. Yeah, but it's just it's a thing where it's like the hundred year old Ocelot versus Solid Snake, one of the greatest soldiers in the history of that universe. <laughs> yeah. And not the greatest soldier in the history of that universe. Versus wait, wait, now, hold old on. fucking man. Hold on, when he went up against Big Boss, wasn't he old? Who, Solid Snake? Yeah, didn't Snake go up against the old Big Boss? Yeah, in the Metal Gears, not Metal Gear Solids, but in the Metal Gears he goes against Big Boss. Okay, now hold on. Yeah, I tell you, you have to you have to help me out with that one because I don't know the difference between Metal Gear and Metal Gear Solid. Because I know Metal Gear is like two D. Metal Gear. Oh, okay. Uh, and that was the thing where you were actually taking orders from Big Boss in the first game. He ends up being the villain. Then you have mm. to kill him. And then in Metal Gear Two, he survived. Leaving a pause there because there's reasons why he survived. Uh, and, all right, you didn't want to spoil because of the remakes. Okay, all right. And then you know he, uh, you had to kill him again in Metal Gear Two. Um, so it's a whole thing. But besides the point, what I've been playing is not Metal Gear Solid. I really should play Metal Gear Solid. It's fucking fantastic. But I've been playing Power World. Still playing Power World. It's the exact opposite of Metal Gear Solid when you think about it. <laughs> uh, having a lot of fun with the game. Still, the game's great. Um. I'm hoping they are able to update this Xbox version now sooner rather than later. I know Xbox has been talking about like, hey, yeah, we want to help out when we can. Hopefully they do because <laughs> they need to update it to the Steam version. I'm getting really tired of constant crashes and only playing with three other people. And just it feels like I'm playing the inferior version. I know I'm playing the game for free because of Game Pass, but when I'm seeing the better version, on Steam right now. I'm like, man, I don't want to buy it on Steam, but I kind of do. Just so I can go ahead and play it. Like, come on, Xbox. Get your shit together. Same thing Pocket <laughs> Pair. I know Pocket Pair also has some issues going on. Like, this game's so popular that they're actually very understaffed for how popular yeah, the game they're, is. Yeah, they're, so, they're currently going on a hiring spree. Yeah, I'm, I'm giving Pocket Pair a little bit of a pass compared to Xbox. Alright, so Xbox, get your shit together. Help them out. But let's go ahead and wrap this thing up, Michael. What you're working on? Where can people find you? I'm currently working on some previews from the currently past Steam Fest Next. I'm going to talk about some of the games that I played and actually enjoyed. And you can find me on Twitter at 
M underscore M O S L E Y underscore J R. You can also find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash foxdaddy. That's F zero X D A D D Y. How about you, Taylor? What are you working on and where can we find you? Not working on a whole lot other than these podcasts here. You can find me in our Discord, the link for which is in the description of this very episode. If you want to hear more from the NerdSash Network of Podcasts, be sure to check out Nerds Top Movies. A new episode is coming out on Saturday, I believe it's Saturday, and it will be a retrospective on a movie I've been waiting to do for a long time. It's Bats of the Future. Other than Nerds Top Movies, we have The Lombok Hunters, a comic-centric podcast hosted by Drew Garrison and Tristan Benz. On the latest episode of Lombok Hunters, they talked about Iron Man Extremis. And just going to be honest here, they had less of a conversation about Iron Man Extremis and more of a conversation on the comparisons or lack thereof between Batman and Iron Man. <laughs> but uh, it was a fun episode nonetheless. And if you are a comic nerd, I highly recommend their podcast. And honestly, if you're somebody just getting into comics, there's somebody, they're two of the most knowledgeable people I have ever met when it comes to comics. Probably the two most knowledgeable people I've ever met when it comes to comics. They're absolutely insane with their knowledge. Uh, compared to us and our video game knowledge. <laughs> hey, we know things and stuff. We just aren't very good at articulating ourselves. Exactly. That's what it is. We don't say words <laughs> so good. Well, I say many words when few words do work. Yeah, what he did said. <laughs> all right, we're not literature majors, all right? We're podcasters. But lastly, be sure to check out thenerdsash.com for all sorts of news in the world of gaming, movies, television, and so much more. Whether it's lists, guides, reviews, you name it, you can find it on thenerdsash.com. I want to thank Michael for joining me and for hosting this thing. I want to thank anyone for listening in. We'll be back soon, either talking about Xbox or we'll be back next week with our usual episode. See you then. Bye-bye.